Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. everybody. This is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, and I am here with Tara Seals, Senior Editor at ThreatPost. Thanks for joining me, Tara. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Christine. I appreciate it. Of course. So we're excited to hear from you and learn a little bit more about your role at ThreatPost and things that you've been covering recently and looking to cover. So let's start with a quick overview of your background. Um, I know you've had a lot of experience in journalism covering a a couple different um, beats at different publications. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Uh, sure. So I, uh, I'm going to date myself here, but I got my first tech journalism job back in 1999. So that was uh, a little while ago. And I was working in uh, covering uh, enterprise uh, technology, basically. So um, mostly phone systems and, and things that small and medium businesses uh, use to communicate back in the late 90s. Wow. Um, yeah, so, it, um, you know, it's been it's been a bit of a journey. Um, I ended up from there covering uh, sort of channel partner mm-hmm. issues again on the on the business um, enterprise side of technology, and then uh, from there kind of getting into wireless. And I covered service providers and carrier networks and uh, regulatory stuff, um, and basically anything and everything having to do with the build out of um, wireless networks. And I did that mm-hmm. for a long time. And then for about the past five years or so, I've been um, transitioning into cybersecurity. So um, that's what I've been doing uh, most recently. And I have to say, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty cool space to be in. I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, you've been with ThreatPost for a little while now. What, um, what exactly do you cover specifically for ThreatPost and how do you approach the stories that you write? So we're purely cybersecurity focused, right? And so our audience is mostly, um, you know, tech savvy IT uh, personnel and administrators, and then also some CISOs, which is um, your uh, sort of C-level cybersecurity person, um, CTOs and CIOs as well. And so we definitely have a a tech savvy audience Mm -hmm. um, who's somewhat fluent with cybersecurity issues, but they're looking to go beyond sort of the, um, you know, the top line uh, data points and really dig into some of the technical nitty gritty. And so that's what we try to do. We try to mm-hmm. uh, set ourselves apart by having more detail um, on sort of the coding side of things um, while still trying to make it approachable and interesting to read. So mm-hmm. <laughs> bit of a challenge sometimes, but. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm sure you have to write a little bit differently for that technical of an audience. Did you find that to be, um, a challenge at all when you transitioned into cybersecurity, or was that something that was more natural for you? Well, it was okay because I had spent all that time working in wireless, and mm. so you know, covering wireless networks like that—that's no slouch in terms of like the technology stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was already pretty fluent with writing for a more technical audience, um, but I, I think now, you know, since I've been around for so long and doing this for so long, what I try to do is is to bring a little bit of personality. Mm-hmm. The mix and, and again to try to make it as readable as, as possible and that's interesting good. as possible. No, that's definitely important. And with that very technical audience, and I like how you add that personality to it. But what makes a threat post story? 
I know a lot of the things that you guys cover research oriented, um, data driven, um, some breaking news. What, what would you say summarizes a threat post story? Yeah, so we we generally look for for stuff that has been released in the you know the prior 24 hours or stuff that's breaking the day of preferably, um, and that that usually boils down to cybersecurity research, um, so threat and intelligence, and so somebody might have taken a look at a new piece of malware, for example, and, and published um, a technical analysis of it. So we'll take that and talk about the campaign and what it means and who it targets and who's at risk and, and all of that kind of stuff. So we try to basically, um, you know, with every story, provide news you can use, uh, mm -hmm. to extent. I mean, I know that's, that's a super overused phrase, but, but basically, you know, we definitely want somebody to be able to use us as a resource for what threat landscape is right now, what they need to be worried about for their businesses, um, and, and maybe some advice on how to approach that. Got it. Yeah, no, I think that you guys do a good job of that. I mean, we always look to threat posts for that, um, that quick take on things that late breaking news or research. And I'm glad you brought up research actually, Tara, because it's one thing that we're seeing a lot of um, from companies that we work with and others in this space is just a lot more of those like annual research reports or even just um, not even research reports, but blog posts or threat intelligence snapshots and just things like that. What, what do you think um, differentiates research that you'll cover versus not cover? Um, well, okay, so those annual reports, I mean, while they're interesting from a trend perspective, they're a little further down in the totem pole for us when we're choosing uh, what to cover for the day. If there's an interesting piece of um, threat intelligence in terms of like a new campaign that's circulating out there or a new vulnerability that was just disclosed that could really impact businesses and their safety, mm -hmm. you know, that will take precedence for sure. Um, but we definitely do cover more of the trends research uh, stories and the, and the qualitative research um, for sure. Um, that's something that, that we'd like to sort of infill our story mix with. And we've seen a lot, for example, um, just in the past week, I think I've gotten three different uh, trend reports on, mal on malware numbers, specifically um, ransomware. Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, it's an epidemic right now, and so you have a lot of firms that are coming out with, okay, well, we've seen a 300% increase here. Um, you know, this family uh, has been the most uh, the most used over the last six months, that kind of thing. And it's very interesting, and it definitely provides a contextual element for all of the breaking news stuff that we do. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you just go through, so I'm sure people send you a ton of research, but you go through a lot of it and you can kind of by now um, delineate what stands out and, and doesn't stand out in terms of research. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and again, it just, it, it, it depends, everything is context, right? So it depends mm -hmm. on what's going on that week. And, um, you know, if somebody has a really interesting different angle that you don't, you don't really see in your, in your typical quarterly or annual reports, and that's, that always picks the ears up too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great segue into my next question is, what are some of the things that you're interested in right now? I know you mentioned ransomware is very big. I know a lot of people are covering, you know, election security, um, healthcare security. What sort of things are you personally interested in? Yeah, so so those are the top three that we've been covering too. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I've been reading it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely the zeitgeist right now is all around the pandemic and mm -hmm. uh, work from home and back to school and healthcare security. So um, those are sort of the three things that are dominating most of the, the headlines when it comes to how cyber criminals are targeting people and what they're doing. 
Um, so that's definitely, a, you know, kind of a, a macro focus for us. And then drilling down in there, then you have stories on ransomware, which like I said, is an epidemic. Um, and then you have account takeover attempts. That's been a huge thing lately. Um, also, you know, sort of separate from all of that, you know, we cover a lot of vulnerabilities and exploits that have been released for those vulnerabilities and software that um, cyber criminals can, can basically use to compromise uh, networks, uh, corporate networks and endpoints. And so um, we, there has been just a snowball effect of high severity and critical vulnerabilities of late, a lot more than is usual. And even Microsoft, they put out um, once a month on Patch Tuesday, they call it, they put out a list of all the new software vulnerabilities that they've found and, and have offered fixes for. So we cover that once a month. And the volume on that has gone far, far, far up from where it was this time last year. It's kind of incredible. Yeah, I mean, like we're talking like hundreds, every single month, hundreds of, of vulnerabilities that they're patching. And, you know, the reason for that is that uh, the bug bounty hunters have really ramped up their efforts, mm -hmm. um, I would say. And so you have a lot more sort of going through the code and parsing it through and trying to figure out where the holes are. So that, you know, further activity on that front obviously will yield more results. Um, but it's also the fact that I think that vendors uh, like Microsoft are aware that the stakes are higher than they ever have been. Mm -hmm. um, with everybody working home and outside the corporate perimeter and so security changes because of that. Um, so they themselves have uh, ramped up a lot of their own uh, code review efforts uh, to try to make things safer. So it's really something that the industry as a whole is trying to um, attack and address. But it's, uh, you know, it can be overwhelming for, um, for IT people for sure. So that's, you know, just the sheer volume and patch management processes, uh, you know, that's another huge story that we've been following. Mm -hmm. No, that's definitely, that's true. I mean, there's so much going on and it keeps keeping everybody busy. I think at the start of the uh, pandemic with the work from home transition, we saw a lot of um, reporters covering and publications covering everything related to this new work from home remote, remote workforce environment. And it really took on um, a big part of the industry news. And it's interesting to see how it has shifted, still remaining a pretty you know, big piece of, of what's going on in cybersecurity, but also other topics coming in. How did you guys at ThreatPost handle that in the beginning of the pandemic and sort of how has it shifted to the point that you're at now? Well, I think at the beginning, everybody was scrambling to send their employees home, right? And so we were interested in, in delving into and uncovering what the new challenges are when all of a sudden you have to send your entire workforce to go telecommute mm -hmm. uh, from home. And so that definitely dominated our coverage, just the sheer what do you have to think about aspect of it. Um, and then, of course, you know, Zoom security came into focus and everybody was using Zoom as we are today, actually. And um, Zoom bombing, which are you are you aware of mm -hmm. what that is? Okay. Yes. yes. And so we've been that, hearing about that more with the back to school stuff too, like uh, Zoom bombers jumping into classes and ooh, what a mess. Yes, it's crazy. It's so, I mean, I can't believe it's still going on, but, but yes. So, so, you know, from there, so we did a lot of coverage on Zoom security and how they were adjusting with the transition and the growing volume for their business. Um, and then kind of started looking at other collaboration apps, which have become just so important with everybody remote, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we definitely took a look at um, 
some of the aspects that your average IT staffer probably wouldn't necessarily think about on the surface. Um, and tried to differentiate our coverage in a way by talking about some of the things that, that might not be so obvious when it comes to remote um, security. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that's important. Um, and then I wanted to ask too, um, what is your take as someone who has been in the industry writing on it for a while, and I'm sure you get a ton of um, pitches from companies and vendors and, and PR people, how do you think that companies um, in cybersecurity should def differentiate from each other um, in such a noisy, crowded space? I mean, I would say from the threat post perspective, since you know we don't cover company news, right? We, mm -hmm. it's, it's all research and, and sort of um, you know attack methodologies and things like that. Um, so you know, I would say for me, once I weed out sort of the, the corporate news that, <laughs> that comes into my inbox, um, then I'm left with things that are uh, timely, right? So a lot of the PR pitches are around, you know, hey, I saw that you covered this, or this is a trend right now. I've got an expert in the space, which you, you know, would you be interested in getting um, some further thoughts? Um, you know, or somebody will offer, uh, you know, a blog post that would be wrapped into some kind of, you know, something that I've written on recently. Mm -hmm. So those are the types of things that, you know, definitely stand out to me. It's more the, the plain vanilla pitches um, that come across that are just sort of you know, spray and pray types of, of mm -hmm. efforts, um, which I totally understand why that, you know, why they're there. But, um, you know, those I might not click open necessarily unless I have a lot of time. Uh, yeah, you said that very nicely. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to be I might rude, not you know. open it, but you might. Yeah, it depends, you know. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's interesting because I, I know we usually, um, you know, talk to a lot of companies about research, right, and making sure it's not too marketing driven or focus and more so about, you know, how can you help the end user, you know, solve the problem or the reader, you know, understand the problem and some tips on how to solve it. So I think it is important to look at it from that perspective. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and I, and I know that it's, it's always the, the marketing team's job to make sure that, you know, you get the message out there, mm -hmm. you know, for sure. And, um, and that's, you know, I, I understand it's very important from a, from a corporate perspective. Um, but, you know, you're more likely to get your, your story picked up if it's less than Yep. Exactly. Well said. Um, and then I'm curious too, you know, you've covered uh, a lot of different topics in this space throughout the years. What is one of the more memorable stories that you've written? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I mean, I would say, you know, this year, I would say definitely the, it's just the ongoing ransomware story that just the gift that people are giving in terms of having story fodder because of, like every other day, there's a huge, there's some kind of huge attack, right? It seems like. Um, mm -hmm. So that, you know, just sort of the ongoing malware acceleration that we've been seeing. And I know that's not a specific story. I know you were asking for a specific story. Um, but, you know, to be honest, in the fog that is this like pandemic era, you know, <laughs> like, you know, work. Yeah. Just, um, you know, for me right now, it's more, it's more, you know, trends that emerge that are more memorable than any specific story this year. I mean, I did write I did write a feature um, early on in the pandemic about work from home uh, pitfalls and that 
was really interesting um, at the time because again, everything was so new. Mm-hmm. And so I learned so much about just sort of, you know, VPNs and some of the other platforms that, that companies are, are striving to put in, into place, you know, for home users and the unique challenges that that, that presents versus having everybody sort of within a corporate perimeter. So, you know, that, that one was really interesting and still sticks out in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting too, with the ransomware stuff. I remember several years ago, um, when the, you know, the term ransomware almost became like a household name. I remember listening to it on like the local news and they're like ransomware hits local hospital. And it's just crazy how much it has accelerated in this week alone, right? With these attacks that are happening. It's, it's interesting to see how, uh, how it's going to keep going and hopefully, you know, decrease at some point and hopefully we can find some resolutions or some, you know, solutions to, to stop it. It's prevalence. Yeah, for sure. I mean, basically companies need to do a better job. <laughs> That's all it boils down to, you know, of putting their defenses into place. They need to have backups. They have to have, um, you know, remediation plans. And I know that's difficult for small and medium-sized businesses, for sure. Um, but larger businesses and hospitals, I mean, they've, you know, they, they need to prioritize um, their IT resources and making sure that they are prepared because it, it's honestly, it's not a question of when they're going to get, or if they're going to get ahead, it's a question of when they're going to get ahead and you need to approach it like that. Yeah, and especially hospitals that have a lot at stake and a lot of information and a lot of data, I think it's definitely important that they, they ramp up those defenses. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting because some of the ransomware gangs said that they were going to put a moratorium on attacks against hospitals. And so about half of them, I guess, are, are abiding by that. And then you have the other half that just, they don't care, right? They don't care. So they're, yeah. they're hitting yeah. them anyway. And it's, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, it's really, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's disturbing. For sure. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we do have a couple of listener questions that I wanted to get to. And um, one of them is, in your opinion, what will be one of the long lasting impacts that the pandemic has on cybersecurity? Well, I think that um, there's no question that cybersecurity will never be the same. Um, even if we did, by some miracle, get back to to what life was like prior to February, um, at some point, I, I, I still think that the lessons that have been learned in this will carry forward in terms of how companies approach um, their security. And I think that they uh, have realized for the first time that you know our entire lives are lived online, you know, both personally and professionally, and there is a huge melding of that. Um, and it's always been so, but it's been brought into high relief with everybody having to use um, their home networks and home endpoints and, um, you know, not having access to some of the, the corporate resources that they're used to um, that are, by definition, just more secure. So mm-hmm. it's brought it really top of mind, I think, for everybody. And, and that just that sheer awareness is something that is not going to go away, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Yeah, and I think now that a lot of people um, are working from home and companies are accepting that, it's okay, how can we make this sustainable for long term when it comes to the security aspects of it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think that um, a lot of companies are probably going to maintain significant remote workforces after this, even, you know, if the pandemic clears up and everything's fine, um, because they're saving tons of money, right? So it's a lot cheaper to support a remote workforce. 
and people are happier and more productive in a lot of ways as well, um, you know, and a lot of professions um, where it's possible to, to work remotely, a lot of people would choose to do that. So I think, you know, I think you're right. That's going to be something that, um, that will permanently change the face of work. Yeah. Absolutely. And then um, another question that we have from a listener is, every year there's a new trend or issue that everybody writes about. Of course, um, we've already talked about those. Uh, but what do you suspect will be one of the bigger topics for 2021? So I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I, you know, we, we have had a couple of cyber attacks looking for intellectual property surrounding medical stuff um, so far, but, it's a, but only a couple of them. And uh, it was you know, nation state actors looking for sort of competitive research on vaccines, essentially. Um, and both of those attacks that we know about were unsuccessful. But I think as we get further into the phase three trials for vaccines, and also as more and more ther uh, therapeutics come to the forefront with COVID-19, I think that that type of competitive espionage, and maybe not even nation state, it could even be just corporate espionage, um, I think that's going to ramp up and be a bigger story next year. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah. I know it's hard to make like those predictions now because everyone's like, oh, nobody knew that this all would happen this year, right? And I think we're at that, that phase of, of uh, well, that time of the year where companies and um, you know, thought leaders are making these predictions about what could happen or even lessons learned from 2020 to take on to 2021. So it's gonna be interesting to see how uh, you know, different publications, including Threat Post, look at that, um, that storyline moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So Tara, what, um, I know you said you're looking into a lot of this ransomware and even election security, but what else is on the horizon for threat posts coming up? Um, well, right now we're actually working on a healthcare security ebook, um, which has been kind of fun, but also terrifying to do. <laughs> so one of the stories has to do with uh, medical device security and some of the, uh, the holes, the security holes that still exist in things like pacemakers and insulin pumps and Oh, the That's IoT. pretty alarming. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And, um, you know, so a lot of the Internet of Things, IoT devices that are infiltrating uh, hospital environments these days, and also with uh, telemedicine as well. So you have people that have uh, remote monitoring devices at home, um, and all of those things are attackable. So you know, that's something that, that we've been putting some energy into uh, covering both on an ebook front as well as we're going to have a November webinar around that as well. Hmm, it's not really, not really related to the pandemic. It's just healthcare security in general. Oh, yeah. I think it was an issue, but long before the pandemic, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This mm -hmm. has been, been around for a little while. So, you know, that's, that's definitely something that we're taking a look at. Um, and I think, you know, some of the other IoT stories out there, and also with the advent of uh, 5G, you know, this is something that was kind of a hot topic, um, then the pandemic hit, and then it wasn't so much of a hot topic anymore. <laughs> but I think that will um, come back around to being a focus um, in the new year as, as 5G networks truly come True. into our own. And I think we're gonna have a lot more IoT devices in industrial settings and things like that. So that's a whole new attack surface that is gonna be pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, good point, that will be. And then what is something interesting that people maybe don't know about you outside of your writing and expertise in this area? Um, <laughs> well, let's see, I, well, I'm originally from Texas 
and I really, really miss Mexican food because I live in Western Massachusetts now. (laughs) I'm very familiar with that area and there, yeah, lack of, lack of good Mexican food. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, not, not for one of trying, they have a lot of Mexican restaurants, but it's just not, you know. So I, I have been making my own mostly, but, um, but yeah, so there's that, um, I like to golf. I'm a big golfer. Oh, wow. And I like chihuahuas. How about that? <laughs> okay. So you must have, have one, right? Well, I have what's called a chigi right now. He's, um, he's half chihuahua and half corgi. Oh, so that sounds adorable. He's kind of adorable. That yeah, sounds like pretty- it. Yeah. <laughs> That is so fun. I love that. So we, yeah, we love to get to know a little bit more about each reporter that comes on the podcast. So that's helpful. And we definitely want to have you at our, well, when we can do in-person events at our next cyber tacos, because we always host those with some delicious tacos. Um, So we'll definitely have to have you at one of those at some point in the future. Oh, nice. Yes. I would love to. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Tara, it's been really great getting to know you a little bit more and then your coverage areas. Anything else that you want to leave us with? No, I mean, just uh, stay safe out there. <laughs> That's all yeah. I can say. <laughs> but the cyber anti-COVID front. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll be following um, throughout post coverage on everything very closely. So thank you for all these great insights. No, thanks so much, Christine. I really appreciate it. All right. Great. This has been Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, talking to Tara Seals with ThreatPost. Thanks, Tara. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.